Welcome to the TAGT Podcast. Come along as we work to connect the GT community and explore new ways to meet the unique needs of gifted individuals. This is the TAGT Podcast. This podcast was recorded at the 2023 TAGT Gifted Plus Equity Conference. Hello and welcome to the Texas Association for the Gifted and Talented Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fluche. A special thank you to our sponsor, Renzuli Learning. Check them out and get your free trial at renzulilearning.com. Today we're chatting with Dr. Joyce Miller. Dr. Joyce Kyle Miller earned her BA in English and Spanish, MA in Secondary Education with an emphasis in English, and a PhD in Secondary Education from UNT. She currently serves as a program coordinator in the Curriculum and Instruction Department at TAMUC, Texas A&M University Commerce. She's a member of TAGT, Phi Delta Kappa, TASCD, ASCD, and NAGC. Her research interests are gifted and talented, African-American gifted students, and college readiness. Dr. Miller, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, and it's, it's so fun for me and um, one of the things that if you're a part of TAGT and you get kind of enrolled in here and you go to the events and you start to see uh, the different things, you start to see people from time to time who are, I feel like I'll just say are the, the, the rock stars of the group. And I definitely put you in that mix of always presenting so much to share. I think I saw, you know, I've seen a lot of your presentations firsthand, but I want to say that on your website, it said that you've maybe presented over 60 times or very active and <laughs> I mean, it's just absolutely awesome. So thanks for being here as one of the, you. you know, leaders in the TAGT community. So uh, you are so active in gifted education, cultural diversity, teacher effectiveness. Can we start a little bit um, just to learn about you and your education and, and your background and what got you to Texas A&M Commerce? Oh, boy. Long <laughs> time ago. Well, I uh, graduated from University of North Texas with my doctorate and When I did, I was a teaching assistant there in a uh, department with probably about 10 other graduate students, and um, an announcement came through that, at the time, to East Texas State University, which is now Texas A&M University Commerce, was looking for an associate professor. So Mm -hmm. none of us, of course, met those qualifications (laughs) for associate professor, but, but I applied, and I think some of the others did, too. Just that. And so uh, I got a call to come to the campus for an interview. Uh, but I think they were looking also for a person like me, which would be uh, at the time an assistant professor. Okay. And so I went over, interviewed for the position. Uh, the person who interviewed me was department head, but he was packing up and moving to become uh, academic vice president. Mm. Uh, moving up, being promoted. And yeah. so I came in, and uh, I've been there ever since. It was yeah. a, I don't think I remember. I did apply to other universities, yeah. but uh, Texas A&M, when I went over, so I uh, yeah. found people that I liked and that liked me, and mm-hmm. so I found a home. And, you know, that's what I really value about people like yourself who are in uh, higher education and kind of your journey to get there, because I do think there's a lot of, gen ed teachers, GT mm-hmm. teachers, specialist coordinators who are looking at what you do mm-hmm. and saying, 
I might want to get there one day, okay. especially knowing what you research. Okay. So what, what kind of, especially looking back at your journey, do you have any encouragement or advice for people based off of your experiences to say, hey, here's where you want to endure. Here's the thing you don't want to miss. I don't know. What comes to mind? Well, I started out, of course, degrees in English and Spanish, and my first teaching position was in Denton ISD at Strickland Junior High School, Wow! uh, where our now president, Christina Dearman, was uh, also, is now, Mm -hmm. a teacher there. But I started there, I had done my student teaching there in Denton ISD, and what I would say is that to end up in a position like I am in teacher education, you have to have some experience, I think, in the classroom Mm -hmm. as a teacher. And I did that in Denton ISD, in Arlington ISD, in Brenham ISD, in LaGrange ISD, and for a short time even in Dallas ISD. Yeah. So I think that uh, experience has served me well in connecting theory with practice and being able to come forth with examples as I've taught in the classroom at the university level. So I would say to anyone wanting to be in teacher education to get that grounding and that that experience in the classroom, in the public school setting, even if you want to move toward administration, but to get that before you come to the university Mm -hmm. level so that you can say to your students that I have been where Mm -hmm. you are or where you want to go. I, and I love that. We, we had Dr. Thomas A. Bear on before on a previous podcast. He's a big social and emotional guy. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it feels like a lot of his work and what he shares as an encouragement to people today mm-hmm. is stories that he had when he was a teacher, mm-hmm. when he was in the midst of that. Yeah. Do you have those moments as well where you're like, yeah, I know I'm, it's maybe been a minute since I've been with a, you know this or that person, but yeah. I'm still using these stories to... Um, oh, yeah. 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 I loved my time teaching it uh, when I was in Den- in Arlington ISD at Nichols yeah. Junior High School, teaching Spanish and all the things we did and learning Spanish, uh, songs, rhymes, games, uh-huh. role playing we did uh, with students and helped them to develop an affinity for the language such that when they moved into high school, mm. they chose to take more courses in Spanish. And so, you know, I remember, remember those days and just uh, being a part of the teaching team. I remember mm. being on the basketball team. Uh, the kids had a fundraiser. Teachers were playing, uh, the women teachers were playing students uh, basketball. And really? it was a fundraiser. So, you know, they're just being involved in the life of the school is mm-hmm. a good practice I always recommend as, uh, as well as just enjoying what you're doing. I know, I'm proud to say that I didn't leave the, the classroom because I didn't like it. I loved teaching yeah. in public schools. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a really interesting thing you brought up because I, it feels like, you know, there's a lot of, opera, when you love this work and you get, you know, kind of your hand in the dirt, so to speak, I think of Jason Witten, a tight end in the NFL, he talks about that's when you're in the midst of playing the game is mm-hmm. when your hand's in the dirt, so to speak, mm-hmm. or, or when you're in the midst of working with students, it does feel like some of the best leaders are those that most desire to be with kids. They've yeah. just been seen as that and seen for the good work that they're doing have been mm-hmm. kind of uh, accidentally promoted, it seems like, just because yeah. people see their love for their work, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, very cool. Okay, but so when did kind of gifted education in the midst of all that kind of get into the fray for you of like, hey, 
that's where I want to be. That's kind of a focus that, that piques my interest. Yeah, well, when I became a faculty member at A&M Commerce, mm -hmm. um, probably the first black female mm. in my department when I came there were uh, majority uh, male, white male, elderly men yeah. who were on faculty there. And um, I had to find my home, my place. And so I'm not quite sure how I found out about the <laughs> National Association for Gifted Children, the conference. Uh, it may have been a recommendation from my department head, the new department head who uh, came on, who was always so supportive and uh, called me the star of the department. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> as a young faculty member, but uh, provided funding for me to attend the conference. Yeah. And I went to the national conference and just thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a time when uh, the conference was being held in hotels, and the rooms mm -hmm. were always not large enough. And oh, really? teachers were sitting on the floor and, and trying to, all the sessions were jam-packed. Mm -hmm. And this was probably during the early 80s, maybe the latter half of the 70s, uh, when Gifted and Talented was just growing and becoming. Yeah. And so I went there and uh, went to just just enjoyed and benefited and on my way back on the plane I sketched out I remember sketching out on a napkin white napkin uh, the description of what became the high school academic enrichment program mm. uh, at my university I uh, provided funding secured funding for that program from the Meadows Foundation uh, during that time I, I used the classic approach to getting funding from a foundation. Mm -hmm. It said, schedule a meeting uh, with the foundation, find out what they're interested in, and go back and, you know, and that's what I did. Wrote the proposal, yeah. submitted wow. it, and received funding one year, and then received funding for the second year. Uh, the proposal was for 100 gifted students from all of the state of Texas to come to the A&M, at the time, East Texas State campus, live in the dorms mm -hmm. and it was during the summer for a full week. Uh, in the morning, uh, they had enrichment sessions. They were taught by my doctoral students and master's level students in gifted education. And in the afternoon, after the professors had finished teaching their classes, they would then teach these students wow. classes in all, just an array of different uh, academic areas. And so, uh, that's how I got it. That's how I first started in getting. I didn't attend the yeah. state conference first. I started with, with the, the national, national <laughs> and then next year I was at the Texas Association for Gifted and Talented. Okay, there's so much gold there. So I want to break that <laughs> down because I, again, I, I, I when I and people will know this listening to me in this podcast. I love just thinking about who's listening to this and especially those beginning educators, those people we hope continue to fall in love with this world, kind of giving yeah. them some context of what's going on here. So I'll start with NAGC, the National mm -hmm. Association for Gifted Children. Mm -hmm. It's such a, an amazing place as you're right. I'm, I've had yeah. the uh, pleasure of going one time myself and it's, man, you're talking about researchers from all over the country. You're talking about learning, man, Minnesota has a different approach over here mm -hmm. and Wisconsin has it. Oh, and there's people here yeah. from Indiana yeah. and, and the, the best and the brightest. And, and there is something inspirational about that. And I, mm -hmm. that's why I also love TAGT because yeah. it captures that in our state as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but it seems like NAGC was an inspirational oh, place for you. Oh, definitely. On the elevator with people like John Fellhausen, uh, <laughs> you know, people like Donald Treffinger, of course, mm -hmm. people like Joe Rensouli. Absolutely. You're meeting them 
just passing them in the hallway. Just right. an amazing kind of experience, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And seeing that they were so personable and they talked to you about whatever questions you might have. And yeah. So, yeah, it was a good beginning for me. So an encouragement to any of our, our listeners out there, if NAGC is on, a, on the table for you, they're very similar to TAGT, and you get to see some of these great people there as well. Uh, you also brought up that uh, gifted education program at East Texas State or Texas A&M mm-hmm. Com- uh, uh, Commerce. Mm-hmm. That fascinates me too, because I think that that process that you went through to pitch to get that grant money, you know, that really speaks to a lot of the work that educators in our field have to do to advocate, to look for avenues for funding, mm-hmm. to look for opportunities. And it's so cool that you you brought that up. And, and I really appreciate that lens that you said, hey, we, I went to this, uh, this group willing to donate the money and we kind of fit what we're trying to do within the problems that they're wanting to solve. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, what an encouragement I feel like to other people who are probably trying to yeah. think of ways to do that uh, in their small district, maybe out there in Texas. It was amazing. I never dreamed that it, I would actually get funding, but yeah. I did. Not one year, but two, two years. Right. Yeah. And that program is still going on today? Uh, in a modified way. I sure. now do Saturday enrichment uh, seminars. First, it was at our campus in Mesquite, Texas A&M campus. I would use the facility, uh-huh. too, on Saturdays to do enrichment uh, activities for the yeah. students who were nominated by their uh, principals and teachers who would come to the center for sessions conducted by the faculty from A&M Commerce. They yeah. would come from Commerce to Mesquite on wow. Saturdays to conduct these sessions. I, was like, I did that for several years. Yeah. And today what I do is we still do um, SAT, ACT prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a facilitator who conducts those sessions. And so we, you'd be amazed. You'd think, well, we're doing that in the school already. There's mm. no need for that. But I have done it on the campus, A&M Commerce, in a huge auditorium with students standing along the walls, you know, yeah. just hundreds of students there waiting for the, the yeah. sessions to begin. So uh, there still is a need. I've done them now since COVID by way of Zoom. Okay. I still have them free at no cost to the students. Wow. Just want to provide. And anyone can come, even middle school students. I even yeah. encourage those fifth graders and sixth graders who have heard about this thing called the SAT, ACT, want to know what it's about. Yeah. Come on. We got some practice tests. We'll show you what it's about. That's uh, awesome. And if you get to a page where you don't feel comfortable, just look around, do whatever <laughs> you want to, and wait until, you know, that ends and the, and the facilitator begins with the, with the re- answers, too. Because yeah. we do that. We provide them a chance to practice, followed by going over and reviewing and why is this correct and why is it not, mm-hmm. the, the kind of thinking that should be involved and so forth. Yeah. I also encourage parents who want to know what this SAT, ACT is about and have it, and who want to be able to help their children at home prepare. Uh, and even though some universities do not require uh, the SAT, ACT now, mm-hmm. uh, there's still are scholarships out there that do require so, right. So there's still an immense value mm-hmm. to that. And I love that it's coming from the collegiate, you know, if the goal is to have a touch point for college and mm-hmm. what it takes to get there in the learning and thinking, you know, it sh- certainly makes sense to have that delivered by a college and the right. professionals who are in, in the midst of that. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. So you've yeah. made a huge impact, I feel like, in a lot of, a lot of mm-hmm. students' lives with having that opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's just something that I do as a part of my department, curriculum and instruction. Yeah. Uh, working with secondary school students, I want to have that 
impactful uh, connection yeah. with middle school, high school students. Very cool. And helping them face some of the things that they are concerned with. Uh, we still, even though lots of parents know how to negotiate the infrastructure of the university, there's still are parents who don't know how right. to do that and don't feel comfortable. And so helping them with things like the ACT, SAT, I also do college tours. I uh, have a, uh, an organization that provides funding for the bus, and I only charge the kids $25. Oh, wow. For, and that one day we experienced three different colleges, universities within uh -huh. all of the state of Texas, been to Louisiana, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi even, uh, really? you know, everything except for we haven't been to New Mexico. Okay, maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe down the road. <laughs> yeah, and at no cost to the kids, we tell them that you bring your lunch, you have to eat your lunch on the bus because sure. we don't want to stand in line wasting our time. If we're going to do three universities in one day, we don't want to spend a whole chunk of time getting lunch in right. line. So we have a meal on the campus of the last university that we visit. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's uh, usually a, a, in the cafeteria with other college students. That's awesome. I bet they love that. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. So what, you know, what's your driving force with doing that? Because clearly I can only imagine the impact of being able to go to these colleges. You're providing it for free or very, very affordably. Mm -hmm. Kind of what keeps you driving to do that? I like to see students succeed, and I don't want things like uh, being afraid of and not having an experience with a college or university or with the SAT, ACT to prevent them from having that opportunity. I've encountered over the years some very uh, strong, gifted African-American, Hispanic, mm -hmm. Latino kids uh, who may not have all the opportunities that others have, mm. uh, you know, who've gone on and soared and, and uh, college, uh, completed high school, college, and who are out there doing some really great things. So mm. um, that's why I do it, because it's uh, beneficial to our community. And, and I call it impactful. It's not just enough to talk about it in the classroom, but we need to be about it. And wow. sponsoring these kinds of things is my way of making it real and say, yes, you right. can do it. You can accomplish. Let me show you how. Right. That's awesome. And I feel like your journey speaks to that, you know, firsthand. So so kind of what you're saying to a degree is it's if we're just talking about what these kids need, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. We've got to move into the space of actually delivering it that's out to right. those kids, that's even when you're right. working in the collegiate that's setting. That's right. And that's the hard work. And not many yeah. want to do that. It's a uh, it's neat, I guess, to, to be in the Alpha Tower, to do your research and your writing, mm -hmm. but at some point, you've got to make it real. You've got to step down and go where people are and meet their needs. Mm -hmm. And I'll even notice that. I feel like this is uh, unrelated but related. You know, you're here at uh, TAGT Gift Ed Plus and presenting with someone who I believe is one of your doctoral students. My doctoral stu student. So, yeah. I mean, that, that alone, mm -hmm. the fact that you're here supporting, I think, yeah. continues to echo what yeah. you're talking about there. So that's pretty cool yeah. just in and of itself. Right. Yeah. Dr. Shanice Robinson, she's uh, recently graduated in December. Wow. Yeah. 
Very cool. So that that's an encouragement to anyone out there too who are looking to maybe get advanced degrees and being able to know that you have got a, a place mm -hmm. in TAGT where you can come and share and present that sort of thing. Right. Because yeah. you've had a, several presentations here before, correct? Uh, yes. Over the years, I always tried to do present. In my early days, I would do two, three presentations. I found that oh my goodness, Joyce, you're missing all <laughs> other presentations because you're going from yes. session to session yourself presenting. Uh, but yes, I enjoy doing the presentation and uh, past few years I've done them with uh, other individuals and also, of course, Shanice this past yeah. year or two. Mm -hmm. that's, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but I look forward to, you know, at A&M Commerce, we offer a series of graduate classes in mm -hmm. gifted and talented education, and all of them are online. Oh, okay. We have uh, 18 hours that are online. Everything from the introduction to gifted and talented, strategies for teaching the gifted, curriculum for the gifted, trends and issues in research and gifted, wow. and we also add a GT in the STEM area as well as leadership gifted. Okay. So 18 hours it can be taken online. I love that you brought that up because that's another cool thing about TAGT is that you can get plugged into universities mm -hmm which that's a part of my journey too, is that I ended up going to and getting an advanced degree within a university represented here through TAGT. Mm -hmm. So maybe that maybe we could talk about that a little bit more. If I'm a general ed teacher or a GT teacher specialist and I'm looking to get those hours, you know, it sounds like Texas A&M Commerce is a good place to go. Good place to go yeah. and we make them convenient. Students love uh, the online platform. because. Uh, College of Professors, we would rather have face-to-face -face because, but we, we know that in order to survive, we've had to move to online right. platforms. And so we try to make it as meaningful as possible, uh, not pie in the sky, totally. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn the theory, but you're also going to learn the practice and what to do with that theory mm -hmm. in the classroom on Monday morning. And right. so we, uh, uh, I believe that uh, teachers in gifted and talented education, we do need to have the foundational principles of uh, what are the theories that undergird our field. Mm -hmm. I believe that once you know the theoretics of the profession, you are able to generate and create the practical, the how to do. But you've got to have and be armed with the theoretics of how gifted kids learn and what are the theories that support learning in gifted and talented education. What does curriculum look like right. in gifted and talented? What are those foundational principles that undergird curriculum for the gifted? And you so, know, that, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's a great point too, because I feel like one of the conversations I have frequently with its parents or uh, teachers or practitioners in gifted education will talk about, well, what's your curriculum? And I feel like we have to have an answer for that. We have to lean on great resources for that. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like, but if you can't speak to kind of the values underneath that, the research that it went into, mm -hmm. the history of gifted education since the Marlin Report and before, exactly. you know, there's something about that that really makes sense of why we're doing what mm -hmm. we're doing. It mm -hmm. doesn't feel frivolous when you know. Exactly. We've known since the 70s that these kids have not been challenged traditionally, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So does that, I mean, is that a part of kind it, of... I think that's central. We've got yeah. to keep that going. We've got to not leave that behind. And so as new educators come into gifted and talented education, we have to arm and equip them with GT 101. Mm -hmm. So they have that information that they need and they know why, the why behind mm -hmm. the kinds of things that are appropriate for gifted kids. Absolutely. Well, very cool. So I, and to just kind of to continue to touch on your research interests, we talked about gifted and talented on all the work you're doing with college readiness. 
I know one of your uh, research interests as well is just African-American gifted students as well. Mm -hmm. You know, what are some things, if you're an educator listening to this, maybe you've got uh, that population, I, I'm sure, represented. You know, what are some things to keep in mind or what are maybe some encouraging things? We could probably spend hours talking about that. But yeah. Well, yeah. where would you say we could start with that of what you've learned? Well, I've learned that with many times with African-American and, uh, well, gifted kids of color, that you've mm -hmm. got to really convince them that they can do it. <laughs> yeah. And so you, so you invite them to your, your AP class, or you invite them to, you know, not just one time, but you may have to say it two times, three times mm -hmm. more than that, it, to really convince them that, yes, you can do it. And, mm -hmm. yes, this is a place for you. And come on, and yeah. <laughs> I'll show you, I'll show you that it is for you. So I think that's one of the things that has to be done. We can't just put the word, announce it, put the flyers out, say it's there. Uh, but for those kids who haven't seen themselves often reflected and represented in the mm. curriculum or in the classrooms, you really have to take uh, an intentional, uh, very uh, purposeful effort to get mm. them into the program. And then once they're there, we need to make sure that that curriculum does reflect the students that we're yeah. teaching. They ought to be able to see reflections of themselves in the curriculum that is being taught. Uh, and so yeah. I know that uh, it's a great effort. Sometimes I, I see kids of color who are accepted into or who are in those classes and do it. And at some point decide, I don't want to be here. And they mm. convince their parents that I would do better in a regular class. And I'd make A's in a regular class, not realizing the value uh, that comes in terms of college preparation that yeah. comes with being in an AP class. So it's hard work, I know, to... Mm -hmm. um, First of all, to convince these kids that they are capable, that they can do it, but it's well worth it. And yeah. I know sometimes we don't always have as teachers all the time in the world, but if you can convince one, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think, share, like you said, sharing stories is so powerful, which I'm, which I'm so thankful of you sharing your personal story mm -hmm. of how you kind of broke through uh, mm -hmm. in an environment uh, when you were getting started at Texas A&M Commerce, East Texas State, of course, mm -hmm. uh, but also going to your presentation that you were doing with your uh, form, now former student, I suppose, uh, talking about the social and emotional needs of students and using... Um, uh, children's books, uh, picture books, mm -hmm. to kind of illustrate and elevate that. And I was just so encouraged. I got uh, the pleasure of sitting in y'all's presentation today of just the impact of building structures around that to be intentional about it, to do exactly what you're saying, mm -hmm. so that kids can see themselves being um, this, um, this student who is challenged, who does grow, who goes out there and once, once those challenges, you know, and so mm -hmm. I, I appreciated that. And so to, to give people a sneak peek into that presentation here today, why do you think it's so important to, to maybe use uh, children's books or picture books to illustrate mm -hmm. what we're talking about? Well, you know, by reading a book, students can learn so many things in one reading that it would take a lot of time to teach in the classroom and mm. you may never really get to. Uh, with these books that uh, Dr. Robinson selected for our dissertation, the six in particular that we focused on today all featured uh, real human beings who right. are gifted, gifted individuals from globally mm -hmm. as well as from here in the United States. Men as well as women because we want the boys to see themselves, mm -hmm. gifted boys, uh, as well as female uh, who are gifted in their chosen areas mm -hmm. reflected. And so uh, the books illustrate 
not only uh, issues of diversity, uh, but also social and emotional issues are represented in these books, mm. helping students to learn uh, to, as a result of reading in a book, an example of how, say, Ray Montague pushed through and persisted and um, how uh, all of these uh, characters, these individuals persisted, can teach, uh, can go a long way in mm -hmm. teaching young people uh, skills in social, how to get along with others, uh, mm -hmm. how to be a friend, how to win friends and how to be a friend kind right. of thing. Uh, how to understand yourself and come to know yourself. How to hang in there when the going gets rough. You know, how to get back up when you fall down. You know, all mm -hmm. these kinds of things are illustrated in a uh, story-like manner right. in the books that were chosen. Yeah, and it was great and, and a huge encouragement. And so, um, again, I'm just so thankful that you're here and kind of sharing your journey. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people are going to look at it and see themselves in your work and what you do and how you've been involved. And so. Uh, we're not done yet. I got my fast five questions as we start to wrap up so that people can find out a little bit more about you uh, to get some uh, creative juices flowing a little bit. So uh, are you ready for the fast five questions? All but one. All but one? Okay. <laughs> you could always pass. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. If, you, uh, if your closest friends had to describe your number one strength, what would it be? I think they would say... I that I, that Joyce has a way of getting people to do things that they don't believe that they can do. Oh, wow. That okay. they wouldn't otherwise choose to do. Uh-huh. Inspiring and good people. Right. right. I was gonna say. Good things. <laughs> you did not manipulative, but no, in the <laughs> no, I just show you how it's going to work and you can do something to help somebody else and, and be benefited by that yourself. Well, then. You so all the things I've talked about are not things I've done by myself. Right. I have just a horde of people who help me do these things. Yeah. I do a lot of things in my community. I have a career pathways, mm. virtual uh, seminar that I do uh, once a month. Yeah? Yeah. And anyone from anywhere, if you have the Zoom link, you can come in, tune in. And I choose uh, students who have gone through, for the most part, they've been ones who've gone through Garland ISD and who have graduated college and in their chosen fields, and they come back and talk about wow. how they came to decision, how they chose that career path. That's awesome. And what led to it kind of thing. So. Yes, that's what they would say about me. <laughs> well, that's great. Helping. Great great leaders inspire other leaders and yeah. get people involved, you know? That's great. Okay, this may have been the tough one. Question two. If you had to describe yourself as a cartoon character. Oh, gosh, that's a tough what one. What would it be? And it's okay. You can pass on it. I won't be offended. That's a tough one. So I'll yeah. pass on it. <laughs> <laughs> See, great leaders know when to, uh, you know, pick their battles. I like it. Question three. What's one strategy you wish you used going back to your Denton ISD days? If you could tell that first-year teacher a strategy that you now know of, that you champion now, what, what would it be? One, there's so many, but one sure. might be to, uh, as you encounter those gifted students, to keep a record of those students, who oh, wow. they are, and to, to the extent possible, try to follow up on them. Uh, if I had done that, boy, I would have such a... Mm. Uh, a I have enough for a book to yeah. put together. Yeah, <laughs> if I I have some now, but this mm -hmm. these are ones that I've accumulated in recent days. Yeah, but yeah, that's a great. I idea. remember those days going back to uh, old Strickland Junior High School. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a great great idea. Um, all right, you're doing great. Question number four <laughs> here: 
Uh, what is one person you could not imagine being without in your educational journey? Well, just one person. I would think that maybe it would be uh, Mrs. This is way back in high school. I'm going to name two. Great. Mrs. Adams. Uh, she was one, and when I graduated high school, I didn't have in mind, I didn't know what I, what I wanted to, career I wanted to pursue, what I wanted to major in. I, don't, I knew yeah. I wanted to go to college because my two brothers had already gone to college, uh -huh. and uh, it was just I was going to go to college. Uh, but my mother had my English teacher call me and talk to me about uh, what I wanted to be. And she said, Joyce, what do you want to be? I don't know. She says, well, you've always been good in English, so why don't you major in English? And that's what I did. And so it was a good decision. Yeah. But another person in, uh, when I first arrived at East Texas State University, the new department head, his name was John Godbold, Dr. Godbold, mm. just was a uh, male uh, Anglo who provided so much support for yeah. me and who never said no. He said, okay, mm -hmm. Joyce, that's a good idea. Let me give you the names of some people who can help you with that. Go and talk to the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences. You know, mm -hmm. that's when I was putting together this idea that received funding from the Meadows Foundation for my high school academic enrichment program. Got funding from, to, to add to the 16,000 yeah. I got from Meadows from the different colleges. So I went all wow. over campus and he helped me to, I became known over campus uh, wide. Mm -hmm. Not just in my department by doing that. So he was he was very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So really wow. And yeah. opening doors and showing me yeah. yeah, what what could be done and letting me do it. And yeah. I feel like you are now doing that with others here today. So that's really cool. Uh you're doing great. Our last fast five question. If you had to tell teachers to do one thing to develop student potential, what would it be? Give them an opportunity. Mm. Give them an opportunity. Let them show you what they can do, as opposed to looking at the numbers, looking at the data, and drawing conclusions as to what they're capable of. Let them show you. Give them an opportunity to demonstrate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we learn a lot by observing and looking and learning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is awesome. What an encouragement you've been uh, to me, and I'm sure to a lot of our listeners here today. So we're so glad to have you. If people wanted to find out about you more in your programs. I know I found more information on you with the Texas A&M Commerce website, but okay. do you have a way for people to plug in to find out more? Basically, the A&M, Texas A&M Commerce website. Okay. Yep. Just search for my name. <laughs> That's right. Thanks again to our guest today, Dr. Joyce Miller. We're so glad you could join us. If you're interested in learning more about today's guest and their work, check out the links included with this podcast post. And if you're not yet a member of the Texas Association for the Gifted and Talented, we hope you'll join our community by visiting txgifted.org and clicking on the Join tab. Renzuli Learning is proud to support the Texas Association for the Gifted, their podcast and gifted education nationwide. Be sure to visit our website at renzulilearning.com and sign up for your free trial to experience firsthand how we deliver a rigorous, personalized learning environment for all students pre-K through 12 and how we align our resources to the TEKS and provide student-driven project-based learning that unpacks the natural passions and abilities in all children.